Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. You know, I hear a lot of things from couples that really hurt my heart and oftentimes just make me want to cry. There are things that I hear that also make me want to scream inside and make me want to jump up and down and just you know, shake my fists. But there's one thing that I hear that actually gives me both responses. So have you ever heard or worse, maybe said, I love my partner, I'm just not in love with them anymore? Arg! <laughs> you know, it's often seen as an inevitable fact of being married for any length of time, and it's also a statement of settling for a less-than marriage. So what it really is is an acknowledgement that intimacy has faded. And as somebody who just celebrated their 31st wedding anniversary, I can tell you that it doesn't have to be that way. And to help me explain that to you and help you find a way back to each other, I'm joined by Jeff Forte. He's an executive and peak performance coach. He's the founder of Peak Results Coaching. And more importantly, at least for me, he's the author of The 90-Minute Marriage Miracle. And so we're going to talk today about the importance of intimacy in marriage and how you can revive it in yours. So Jeff, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this really important topic. Leslie, it's great to be with you, and I really, really appreciate your enthusiasm, and congrats, 31 years, that's awesome. Yeah, so far he hasn't thrown me out yet, so, <laughs> <laughs> or me, him. Um, you know, and, and I do think that there's a lot of people who think, you know, there's, there's the joke about, you know, marriage is the place where sex goes to die, <laughs> which... It, you know, that's not true. I mean, if, and, and actually, and you probably know this, that the research shows that married couples not only have more sex, but they also have better sex. But I know when we're talking about intimacy, we're not just talking about sex and the physical part of intimacy. And one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on the show is because you wrote a recent article called Eight Elements of Intimacy and What You Need to Do to Get It Back. And in the article you wrote, and I love this, I love what you said, intimacy is the actualized aliveness of love in the relationship. It demonstrates deep caring. Without it, partners will feel empty and neglected. It's like this resonated with me so much. So can you elaborate a little bit on how you came to this, what this actually means? Yes, uh, I, I want your audience to know that um, I come to the relationship world from a different perspective. And I, I, the reason I do the work that I do is because I had a failed marriage 24 years ago. I, I, my first marriage lasted five years, and I really was pretty clueless looking in hindsight about it. My dad left when I was uh, 15 years old, so I didn't have a great role model for the male figure in a relationship. And in my experience, most of us really don't. We don't mm. tend to see high levels of intimacy, high levels of joy in our parents or role models. And so if we don't see it, how are we going to figure it out? So uh, my wife and I now have been together 18 years, 
uh, a second marriage, and and I had this thought: what's possible between two people? What's what's really possible if one person is absolutely committed, the other person is committed at whatever level, but mm-hmm. committed? What's possible? And and I and the only answer that I've been able to come up with so far is that there seems to be no end to the elevation and improvement of affection, closeness, the deep feelings of being understood and getting each other. Um, so right, intimacy, which is, yeah, which is go why ahead. A lot of pe- which is why a lot of us get married in the first place is because we either we have that, we're experiencing that in the moment, which is yay, or, and we want it con- to continue, or that's what we're looking for. Yes. And what I, what I didn't realize in the failure of my first marriage was a result of me thinking, okay, I'm married now. I'm good. I don't have to do anything. We're I good. Right. <laughs> We're going to live happily right. ever after. We're going to live happily ever after. Right. And then right I don't what? have to do anything special. We take each other for granted. You know, there's this thing I call benign neglect where mm-hmm. we don't intend to neglect our partner. We just do. Something else becomes more important. And that's the right. pretty we, typical pattern. I call pattern. it the squeaky weedle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a typical pattern that we see. And so for me, what I realized trying to figure out my own marriage issues early on with my with my uh, wife was that if I didn't feel connected with her, what was I doing in the relationship? To me, this connection is an aspect of intimacy, this feelings of closeness. Mm-hmm. And so if you're walking on eggshells around your partner or um, you don't feel comfortable to be yourself around them, why are you in the relationship? Good question. So the actualized aliveness for me in the relationship is the feeling, right? The feeling of chemistry, the feeling of deep connection, the feeling of closeness, togetherness, the desire to be, be in each other's presence, to touch each other um, in any number of ways, not just sexually, but just right. to, to these affectionate, you know, a back rub to a, to a hug. And everybody out there knows the difference between being held and being hugged, right? That lingering touch mm-hmm. is, creates another element of uh, improvement in the physical connection. Right, and the physical connection leads to you know, deeper emotional, intellectual connection too. It's, and to yes. me, that's, you know, intimacy is more than just, uh, we, people talk about intimacy, oh, you're talking about sex. No, sex is part of it. Right. But it's so much it's so much bigger than that. And so what are you have eight elements. Yes. And so what let's let's just start with the first couple. Sure. sure. <laughs> so what are these eight elements and why and, and and why? Well, the first element is affection and physical touch. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned to me that's a, a really important element because if there isn't any affection, if there isn't any physical touch in the relationship, I may have a great friendship, but there's absolutely nothing special. And in fact, in any of these eight elements, if they're missing, the relationship becomes more roommates. And in my opinion, um, that's not my goal. That's not what I want, and that's not what I want for people. I don't want anybody out there who's in an intimate, long-term relationship to feel like they're just roommates with their partner, and that exists too often today. So affection and physical touch are important. Mm-hmm. And the second one is the feelings of closeness, 
uh, the feelings of connection and togetherness. You want to feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself, that this person that you, you're with brings some additional dynamic into your life that you're never going to get on your own. And so those are the beginnings of what to me appears to be the important elements of intimacy that create this special uniqueness between two people. Well, and I really like the focus on the second one because, you know, you know my husband and I actually really like being with each other. We, we really enjoy it. We enjoy each other's company. And, you know, we'll, we'll do things with each other that, if if we were by ourselves, we might not do. But because my, my because my husband's interested in this, I go along. Because I'm interested in this, he goes along. And then we've learned. Oh well, you know, sure. This is I, I enjoy this. Left on my own, I never would have done this. And that's part of that wanting to be together. And that and then the shared experience, of course, is a huge part of keeping relationships together. You know, I'm reminded of uh, this feelings of closeness, connection, and togetherness, a lot of couples don't really enjoy spending time with each other. And my wife and I love to spend time with each other. We spend a great deal of time together. In fact, I prefer to go out to dinner with her alone than I do with other couples. And this is a kind of a fascinating thing that I, that I observe is that often couples cannot go someplace by themselves. Yeah, there, I, I frequently when my because my husband and I do that too. We you know um, we'll go out to dinner and, and I'm looking at other couples in the restaurant. And I want to be throwing my cards on the table. <laughs> it's like okay, it doesn't have to be this way. You know the awkward silences. And, yeah. You know, it's it's um oh gosh, what's the movie with Steve Carell and Julianne Moore? Um, Oh, I know the one you're talking about. But where where they're having really dinner and you know their house. weekly dinner, and it's you know she wants a divorce and right. you know, it's like. Ah! <laughs> okay, so what's yeah. number three? What's the third one? So warmth and tenderness towards each other. So when we exude warmth, genuine feelings of compassion, feelings of of uh, uh, this radiant happiness around each other, being tender towards each other, right? So. If to, to recognize in each other whatever is going on in that particular moment. Perhaps there's stress, perhaps there's pain, perhaps there's something going on in each other that we're not even aware of. Uh-huh. You know, usually couples who've been together for any even reasonable period of time can tell in an instant the mood of their partner just by observing them. Uh-huh. Or even a phone call, the first hello. Right. right? Usually you like, can what's tell wrong? what's going on. Right, <laughs> yeah. exactly. That's exactly right. However, however, when life has really become more hectic than ever with technology, and so often people re-engage with each other in a distracted state. Yep. So there is no feeling of warmth or tenderness towards each other. We're not focused on our partner. We're focused in our own thoughts or we're focused and distracted by some technology. Right, because, I mean, you know, I have both of my children, are, they're actually now adults, um, you know, they've grown up in this, you know, technological age and the whole, you know, fear of missing out. You know, if they're not on, if they're not connected on Facebook or 
Instagram or wh- whatever they happen to be, you know, they're going to miss out. And it's like, yeah, but you're missing out what's, what's going on right in front of you. And I think that's really happening a lot with, with couples. It is. In fact, I urge couples not to text each other at all. Uh, other than, you know, little insignificant things like pick me up some eggs at the store, what time are we going to get our children, and, you know, I'll be home at 9.30. Right, yeah, more Or, or a little I love you or a little yeah. playful wait till I get right. home, you know, some emoji of some sort. Right. But other than that, people tend to argue and try to resolve things by text. <sighs> it, it's a disaster. Oh, I know. I tell people it's like, it, you know... It, some couples can pull it off, but most couples, because all you have is the words, even, even if you do emojis, which, thank goodness, those, those exist, but even then, text, arguing through text or, or trying to resolve a, an issue through text, is, it's, a, it's a minefield, because all you have is the words. You don't have facial expression, tone. You can't touch each other. You, you can't reach out right. and touch and be yep. you know, supportive or whatever. So what's yeah. number four? Number four is sensuality and sexual activity, which actually should be last, so I want to wait on that. Okay. They weren't in any particular order right. uh, in the article. But the, then it's deep conversations, feeling understood and valued. Mm-hmm. And the only way to feel valued, right, we all have kind of our own unique rules, what has to happen in order for me to feel valued, what has to happen in order for me to feel understood. Mm-hmm. The The practical thing that has to happen is somebody's got to be paying close attention to me, right? Yes, somebody's and, for, to, and for a period of time. Exactly. Not, not for a nanosecond or as I used to do with my remote when my wife would want to talk to me, I'm watching a game and she wants to talk to me and I'm turning my head back and forth and that is absolutely not feeling valued. Exactly. Yeah, so that brings, you know, that, that brings up when couples should make the time because sometimes it is make the time i mean we're you know one of the bywords of today is you know i'm so busy well if you're too busy to take care of your marriage you talked about benign neglect it will it will end Um, (laughs) nothing thrives on neglect including including love but you know but this idea of actually being present and paying attention and making time to do that because i tell people you need to be spending minimum 15 to 20 minutes a day in conversation because the first three to five minutes is simply superficial stuff. But if you're still talking after 20 minutes, now we're, now we're connecting. Now we're talking on a deeper level. Now we're, I'm, I'm hearing you. I'm present. I'm not trying to watch the baseball game or the football game around your shoulders or The Bachelor or whatever it happens to be because it's not just guys who get stuck on stuff. Yes, this is absolutely true. And Facebook seems to be the preferred place for women to distract mm-hmm. themselves away from their husbands these days. At least that's a big complaint that I get. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that uh, I do tell people, though, is that if you – Time, right? Everybody has this shortage of time. At least it's a big complaint. I've even had couples tell me they can't find the time to talk with me to fix their marriage. (laughs) So that shows their level of commitment. Mm -hmm. But but time isn't a factor if somebody is truly committed. And I tell people that the idea is, can you stop time with your partner? Can you make time stand still? And let me give you an example of what I mean by that. I came home one day, not too long ago, maybe a month ago, 
And my wife is in a frenzy. She's trying to take our son someplace, and she can't find her car keys. And I just happen to walk in the door. And so I'm just the observer to her stressed-out pace because she's running late. And so she finds her car keys, and she is striding by me. And I grab her, and I sweep her down, and I give her a kiss, and I say, I love you, beautiful. (laughs) And she starts giggling. Her complete mood changes, and she goes out the door. That took... That took two or three seconds. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I was able to stop time, and this is why I want people to understand the stop time concept. Mm-hmm. You can do that any day, all day. You don't need time. It's that, it's that moment where you connect in a special way. I love it. This is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with executive coach and author Jeff Forte about the importance of intimacy to a healthy marriage and how you can increase it in yours. So if you're struggling in this area, then I invite you to take action right now. Do not wait another minute. Pick up the phone and give me a call or send me an email at leslie. L-E-S-L-I at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N as in Nancy, C as in Charlie.com. Or call me at 919-924-0463 because your relationship, you don't have to be roommates. Um, you can get the excitement back into your relationship. You can reignite the passion. If you want to, we're talking about are you committed to doing this because Anything less is less than what you deserve. So, and as you just heard Jeff say, it doesn't have to take a lot. Sweep you, sweep your partner off their feet. Um, I, I love that idea, Jeff. I think that's absolutely wonderful because people can change their mood in an instant. I mean, I know sometimes I'll be having a really crappy day and my husband will come home and he'll make a comment like that to me. He'll say something about, you know, hey, beautiful or whatever. And, you know, I'll I'll both roll my eyes and smile at the same time. And, you know, I'll I'll say something and he goes, yeah, but I made you smile, didn't I? (laughs) And it's like, yes, you did. And you can really switch moods that quickly if you're open to it. Oh, this is absolutely true. Uh, the uh, next one is this presence that we've mm-hmm. talked about. Presence, compassion, empathy. Uh, for any men who are listening to this, your presence with your wife is essential. In order for her to even begin to feel safe, to feel trusted, and certainly to feel valued, your distracted presence begins to erode trust, begins to erode connection. We don't naturally recognize that as men. Right, because some, as men and women sometimes I think are different species. I mean, we do process things very, very differently, and being able to understand that there's nothing wrong with my partner, my partner just needs something different than I do, and being willing, and I think that's that empathy piece, and it goes both ways because I think women can get pretty frustrated with their guys um, and not fully understand that men want to make women happy. They just don't necessarily know that the way they're doing it or they're going about it isn't that, but I, I do love this presence, both 
And I, and I do think that kids can create a problem now. I, as I said, I have two. They're grown now. But, you know, it's, it's really easy to distract with kids. And I think that's where women can sometimes Facebook children. That it, you know, It's easier to be with their children than it is to try to help their husbands learn how they work. Yeah, that's actually a great point. As you know, in any highly successful and highly intimate relationship, the partners have to be a priority for each other over their children. And the other reason for that is you want to model something special for your children. Well, that's what you were saying at the very beginning, that you didn't see that. And I do think that that's what a lot of people don't see. I mean, I was at the... I was a child at the beginning of um, the, the era when divorce became easier to get. Sure. And so, you know, now we see couples that divorce and they think it doesn't impact their children. And, you know, it impacts them in, in subtle ways, especially if we're not seeing, um, you know, the affection. I mean, my daughter, when she was a baby, well, she wasn't a baby, she was probably a toddler, you know, three, four years old, and any time you know, my husband and I would be hugging in the kitchen, she would literally try to put herself in between us. It was like, no, no, this is daddy time. This is, you know, this, it's like, you, you, you can get a hug from mommy later, but right now daddy gets a hug. Oh, and, good for you. That's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. And so, but it, it's important, and I, and I do think it's almost blasphemy when we say that, because it's like, oh my gosh, put my partner before my you know, my, my children. And this is why I think my husband, now that we're, quote, unquote, empty nesters, we're enjoying it. We're having a grand old time. Well, yeah. you, you just mentioned something really important because ultimately your children are going to leave the home. Hopefully. And it's going to be you and your partner. What's that going to look and feel like if you have devoted all your time, attention, and energy to your children? It's going to be a struggle. Right. I, I talk about it as, you know, they leave the home and you're sitting across the kitchen table and it's like, who are you and what are you doing in my house? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> because I have no idea. Yeah, absolutely. That's very true. And okay, the, so, uh, the next uh, item on the eight elements of intimacy is this playful banter, lightness, laughter. You know, there's so much stress out there in the world that we really need more and more light, playful silliness in our lives. And that's one thing I love about my wife is that she and I can just act like children with each other, tease each other playfully, and uh, it, it's, a, it's a way of deepening our connection. It is, and you make a good point about teasing playfully because I know sometimes people, I mean, there are certain things that I've had to tell my husband, you know, that over there, that's not something I can be teased about. If you can stay away from that, you can tease me about all these other things, and I'm really good. But that area over there, that's not a place where I can be teased. And that's respected. I, don't have, I never had to explain or justify or whatever. It was just like, oh, okay, that's an off-limits area, no problem. Um, it's, so again, let that's, me that uh, elaborate effort. for a moment. So for me, playful teasing is around sensuality. Okay. So it could be planting seeds about what you're going to do with them later on that evening. It mm -hmm. could be planting seeds about 
um, how you view them or how hot and sexy they look in whatever outfit they happen to be wearing or whatever the case is. The playful teasing that I'm referring to is more sensual in nature. And this lightness and laughter is something that's truly important because if I'm stressed and my wife is stressed, somebody's got to have the presence of mind to want to alleviate the tension. Mm-hmm. And so she is great at lightening things up uh, so that it's not always me who initiates that. But one person has to be willing to initiate playfulness, this light banter back and forth, the laughter. Other than that, it's uh, kind of a dull existence. Yeah, not, not a whole lot of fun. So I think we're now at the last one. Yeah, the safety, comfort, and trust. And mm-hmm. presence for, if a man is present, it helps bring feelings of safety, comfort, and trust. Mm-hmm. We have to be comfortable with each other. I remember in my first marriage, I went to uh, Bermuda with my wife at the time, and I think we'd been married for maybe a year. And I got to Bermuda, and it's just me and her on this beach, and, and, and I am freaking out. Just the two of us? I don't know if I can handle that. Well, where is everybody? What are we going to do? What are we going to talk about? (laughs) I wasn't comfortable just the two of us alone, isolated out in the wilderness, so to speak. That comfort factor is enormous. Mm -hmm. And and feeling safe is obviously the ultimate way to higher levels of passion. If you don't feel safe, you're not going to have higher and higher levels of passion. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely impossible. Yeah. And that leads to the last one, which was the sensuality and sexual activity. All the things we talked about, the affection, the physical touch, the feelings of connectedness and togetherness, the warmth, the deep feelings of being understood and valued, presence, empathy, the lightness and playfulness, the safety factor, all lead to heightened sensuality and greater experiences sexually. Right. And because, yes, and that's one of the things that when these pieces are missing, and you were very clear at the beginning, you, if any of this part's missing, it is going to impact this end point. And then people are fighting about sex, and that's not necessarily what they're fighting about, you know, but they're fighting about all the things that are getting in the way of it, which is really important because that's, you know, again, people equate intimacy with sex, and it is so much more than that. Yeah, it absolutely is. And here's kind of an interesting thing about affairs. You know, Harvard did a follow-up study of over 20 years um, with men who had left their wives for another woman. Uh-huh. At, at the time, it was just a man-focused thing. The, the data is about the same for women. The long-term um, sustainability of that affair partner that ended up being a relationship they failed 93% of the time. Only 7% yeah. of the time did the man end up being long-term with this person they were having the affair with. So do you want to bet on a 93% loser? Mm-hmm. It looks like the grass is greener out there. It looks like you can feel this sense of connection or lust or whatever this thing is, but over time, if people are not aware of what's required, you're going to get right back to where you were. Exactly, and that's, you know, that's one of the things that's like, and that brings me to this point, it's like if 
it's easier for many people. Now, there are some cases where this is absolutely not true. The marriage has to end. It's not safe. It will never be safe. Uh, (laughs) And people need to get out. But that's not most of the marriages. And even with an affair, if people understand what that was about and the fact, like you said, you're, you're heading into a failure, a much higher failure rate than if you didn't start out that way. Um, but how do couples get into the habit of doing these eight things if they haven't been doing them? Maybe they've been married two years. Maybe they've been married 10 years. Maybe they've been married 20 years. And there is this gap. There is this, sometimes it's a chasm between the two people. How do they start? Well, one of the most important things that is lacking in a relationship is a vision. How do we want our lives to be together? We often have visions for our kids' education. We have visions of retirement, visions of vacation, visions of building this home and a a second home or whatever the thing, or visions of a career, right? We have this vision of all these things in our lives, but not necessarily a marriage. As I mentioned in my first marriage, we're married. I'm good. (laughs) Happily ever after. Right. Nothing nothing else needs to be done. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I had this thought, which was, how do I want to feel when I'm with my wife? And when I talk about vision in my book, it is not so much what do we want to do, it's how do I want to feel when we're together. So I want to feel this deeply connected sense of intimacy and all these eight elements that I referred to that we've talked about. I want to feel that connection with with my wife always. And so that's my vision. Uh And if I want to create that, I have to take responsibility for it. So I need to initiate affection and touch. I need to initiate feelings of closeness and togetherness. I need to initiate warmth and presence and banter and, and lightness. If I'm not doing that, how am I going to achieve my little vision that I have about the feeling that I want with my wife? I love that. And it's one of the things I think that gets a lot of couples into trouble is because they want their partner to do it first. (laughs) And I get that. I really do because it's scary. If you haven't been close and suddenly you start implementing any of these eight steps, then it's scary because your partner might look at you and like, what are you doing? (laughs) and, And again, this is where good communication, I think, comes in. Because I don't know anybody who really wants to be in a relationship where they don't feel valued, where they don't feel like they matter, but to be able to take that step and reach out to their partner. It can be scary. It can. And I want to uh, piggyback on what you just said, because it can be scary. And I write about this, uh, this idea of if you're, if you're a woman listening to this right now, here's something that you can do to begin to bridge the gap in your intimacy, if there is a gap. You could ask your husband to hold you with a very soft tone of voice. You could go up to him and say, would you please just hold me 
for a few moments. Now, recognizing he could reject it, uh-huh. recognizing he could say something stupid, recognizing he's not going to be present, he's got one hand on you, one on his phone, and he's looking at his phone, right? You'll know instantly if he's not present. You'll feel it. Uh-huh. You'll know. But the moment you do that, you create the possibility of something special. Uh-huh. And if you're willing to put yourself out there again and again to do that in different ways, you will build up this power within you that can never be taken away. Your job is to just initiate and to not be lost in whether he accepts it or not. It's yeah. all, you win when you initiate. Right, and the reverse is true as well when the husband w- wants to become closer. And I do need, speaking um, as a woman, I do need for men to understand that how they, especially if there is an intimacy gap, this, a lot of the initiation originally needs to start around non-sexual things because for a lot of women, you know, they're hypersensitive to, well, all he wants is sex. <laughs> so I would just caution that doing some of the other things, and, and I do like that you moved you know, the actual sexuality down to the bottom of the list because that's almost like the culmination of all these things as opposed to where a lot of men feel comfortable starting there. And that's not a slam on guys. My, my husband has just went male bashing pay up. I'm not bashing men. <laughs> I'm really not. Um, Actually, that's a, from my perspective, that's a great point. I often tell couples who have not been sexually active for years that it's not about sex. Sex okay. will be a natural outcome in its own pace and time if you are doing these elements of intimacy. You will want to have sex. Desire will build. But Absolutely. that's not the focus. The focus is simply on building and reconnecting with each other, building these feelings of closeness. Absolutely. And you know, I, we could talk about this for the rest of the afternoon, but I want to give you the opportunity to tell the listeners where they can get more information about how to rebuild intimacy in their lives. Well, they could come to my website, which is the number 9090, And if they reference your show, I will send them a free ebook version of my book, The 90-Minute Marriage Miracle. Well, terrific. So you know, the truth is you really don't have to settle for a less-than marriage, although many people do. And if you are one of them, I genuinely and lovingly want to know why. It doesn't need to take a lot of time or money to get the marriage that you want and deserve. And it doesn't even need your partner's buy-in, as you just heard, at least not in the beginning. So, But what it takes is you stepping up and reaching out, and I guarantee that it is an investment that will pay off each and every day. So I invite you to keep listening. And until next week, stay loving.